morning, Seneca Community Church. It's great to be with you, even if it is remote. It's also great to have had my first uh, shower in 10 days. I'm just kidding about that. Uh, I am feeling good. Uh, thank you for your kind notes and your prayers. I'm blessed that my COVID experience, unlike others, has been fairly mild. Today, we wrap up our series running, The Story of Jonah. In so many ways, we found that Jonah's story is often our story. And the truth of that is, you can often run from God, but you can't outrun God. So we can run from Him, but eventually there is a moment where we come face to face with God. And hopefully that takes place in this life and not in the next. And He gives us plenty of time and plenty of room for that. Because life is so much better when we run with Him. Yet there are times when we run against Him. This can be very subtle or very obvious. Now, God, as a good parent, uh, doesn't give up on us. When we find ourselves running against him, he's not about paying us back, but about bringing us back. Understanding that in our minds almost does nothing when it hasn't made its way into our hearts. For those of you who haven't said yes to Jesus yet, you might be anticipating the tension of what you're discovering about him, wondering if you can actually hold it in your heart. Either way, we are running against God when we know about him, maybe a little, maybe a little bit more, but that knowledge seems to be exclusive or elusive at the heart level. We're not sure we can, in a sense, hold on to it in our souls. And this is really where we find Jonah as we end chapter 3 and get into chapter 4. You see, Jonah finds himself in the same place sometimes many of us find ourselves in, is that we dislike God's plan when it doesn't fit our plan. Disliking God's plan when it doesn't fit our plan. Jonah's plan was that the people of Nineveh would finally get paid back for all they had done. I mean, now, who can blame them? All of us love it when a bully gets what's coming to them. We all love when the tables get turned on someone who has it coming to them. For many of us, that's sometimes our favorite scene in a movie where the bully, the bad guy, gets it. Just like in the Christmas story, we find ourselves feeling that way. I tell you to come, you better come. What, are you gonna cry now? Come on, cry baby, cry for me. Come on, cry. God's plan was to offer the Ninevites mercy. Jonah's plan was for them to get what they deserve. We read in the story of Jonah, the end of chapter 3, verse 10, God saw what they had done, the Ninevites. They, they had turned away from their evil lives. He did change his mind about them. This is God. What he said he would do to them, he didn't do. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. 
That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So what do you and I do when the plan of God doesn't fit our plans? What do we do when life doesn't unfold the way we expect it to? Especially when there's somebody in our life that seems to be causing the majority of our problems. Not that we're problem-free, not that we do everything right, but when there's some other person that just seems to be wrecking our goals and our plans for our lives. What are we going to do when our spouse's plans aren't our plans or the way things unfold? What do we do when a marriage doesn't work? What do we do when things with our kids don't work? Or things with our parents? How about work itself? How about our career? How about a quick change that we didn't expect? How about when things change in the world and it seems like at every turn, we're just hitting against the wall? Obviously, the last year has been hard with COVID. Not our plan. Politics, for many of us, not our plan. Health, you name it, whatever it may be. What is it that you're disliking about God's plan? And what do we do with that? Now, there are plenty of faithful people examples where they, in a sense, like Jonah, yell at God. Uh, David did that. Jeremiah did that. Job, in a sense, did that. They didn't like his plan. We don't like his plan. But what do we do with that? Often, my dislike of God's plan is about me and what I want. Jonah wanted justice for everyone else when he had experienced mercy for himself. I want God's plan to make me feel good, even when it means someone else might out miss out on the goodness of God. Now, when, when I think of that, I, I realize, wow, how self-centered is that? How self-centered it is for me to want justice for another person, but want grace for myself. Were somebody to get what they got coming to them, yet for me not to get what I've got coming from. I mean, there are times where I want gluten-filled bread, even when I know it will give Mariah, my daughter, a stomachache. Whoops, did I, did I actually say that out loud? No, that's just too close to home. Let's go, let's go back to Jonah. We see that Jonah is offended by God's grace. Unbelievable. He's so self-centered, has his plan... And in some ways, we could say his plan's justified, yet God, yet Jonah is is offended by God practicing grace towards someone else. Jonah loves being given a second chance. The problem is he doesn't like God's plan of a second chance for somebody else, for actually for the city of Nineveh. And because of that, he's running against God's plan. And when you and I run against God's plan, whether it's wanting to withhold grace or forgiveness from somebody else, 
whether it's just the way we see things should unfold and they're not unfolding that way, when we can't process through that, when we don't know what to do with it, we find a frustration that just takes over. Life is frustrating. Sometimes we try to compartmentalize it, but we find that that frustration leaks out in other situations. We're irritated about God's plan for ourselves at work, then we come home and we're irritated with our spouse. That frustration overflows. We find ourselves easily coming off the handle because God's plan for us is not our plan, or God's plan for the world, or God's plan for whatever's going on isn't meeting our expectations. A lot of times then that frustration, when left unchecked, migrates, grows into just outright angry. We're, we're angry. We're angry inside, and it is just eating us up inside. There seems to be uh, no way to get away from that. And we'll see that with Jonah, that he's frustrated. He anticipates his plan isn't God's plan. It frustrates him to no end. It frustrates him so much that he goes in the opposite direction. It actually makes him angry. And then it causes him to just feel self-pity. Woe is me. All life is just terrible. And he just looks inward. He, he, we see in the beginning, uh, there's a storm coming, and he's sound asleep at the boat, trying to sleep away his problems. Just kind of ignoring everything, saying the heck with everybody else. And he just goes down to that bottom of the boat in self-pity. When was the last time your rejection of God's plan made you frustrated, made you angry, filled you with self-pity? If you're not a Christ follower, you have a little more wiggle room. If you're a Christ follower, remember, Jesus was all about God's will, not his will. Jesus said in John 6, 38, I came down from heaven to do God what God wants, not what I want. Now again, aren't you glad that that's the case? When we don't come to terms with God's plan over our plans, we will be miserable. Frustration, anger, self-pity develops into something so much worse. I mean, Jonah screams, Now I ask you, Lord, please kill me, for it's better for me to die than to live. All of that frustration Anger, self-pity, turns into a heavy, heavy discouragement. And for many of us, and as Christ followers, we're not to live under the cloud of discouragement. But when we don't like God's plan, when we reject, resist God's plan, discouragement can become the, the cloud we live under. Jonah goes to the extent of wanting to die. He has discouragement and suicidal thoughts. Now, now let me be clear about this. When a person gets to the place for whatever reason of wanting to hurt themselves, they need to reach out to somebody else. They need another voice to speak life into their life. They need God to use a person with, in a sense, skin on to speak into their life. So if you are in the place of wanting to hurt yourself, 
I beg you to reach out, to know that you're not alone. Uh, you can call 211 and get a direct call to Seneca County Suicide Prevention Coalition. They'd like you to know they're not alone. You can text 741741. Uh, you can reach out to someone to church. But I'm telling you, if you have those feelings, you need to reach out to someone. Sometimes we need the counsel of a doctor. Sometimes there's a process going on in our bodies chemically that need help and a doctor, and a doctor can help. So don't miss that you're not alone. Talk with someone. Reach out. Now, in Jonah's case, it was a little different. In Jonah's case, he was so angry that things weren't going his way that he just didn't want to engage in God's plan. Jonah, in a sense, was having a pity party, angry, discouraged, depressed, all of those things going on, but it was because he wanted things his way, not God's way. And sometimes those differences can be a little muddy, but in his case, it was obvious. But yet, in many of our cases, we can see where our line, our, our life is out of alignment with God's plan. And it may just kind of fall on us, or it may be unfolding slowly, and we see that, and we just let that all take over, because God's plan is not our plan. So we find ourselves, in a sense, resisting God's plan. In the life of Jonah, that meant resisting God's mercy and goodness to others. Read in verse 2 again. Then Jonah complained, Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I knew how easily you could cancel your plans for punishing these people. See, Jonah was resisting God's mercy and goodness to others. He had experienced himself. He was good with that. He was okay with that. He was thankful he got delivered from the big fish and goes on and on and on. But he didn't want to see others delivered from their actions. He didn't want to see others have a second chance. Jonah is so committed to his own comfort. And his own comfort is to watch the people of Nineveh get it. Later on, we're going to see his own comfort is to be sitting underneath a nice leafy bush when it's hot outside. He took comfort and was committed to the destruction of Nineveh. That's why he found a boat going in the other direction, the opposite direction. Sometimes we have to stop and ask ourselves, what boat are we sailing on? What cruise line are we on? Is it the cruise line of comfort for ourselves, what makes us feel good, what we enjoy? Or are we willing to slow down and say, even if it costs me my will, my plan, I want other people to experience God's mercy. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's inconvenient, even if it costs me, I'm willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of somebody else to experience grace. I'm willing to sacrifice 
That's why many of you sacrifice with generosity towards the church, towards our difference maker partners. You're willing to take a less comfortable role in life so that somebody else might experience grace and mercy. You know, Joseph thought, or Joseph, um, Jonah thought that he could ignore God's direction. He thought he could kind of go the other way and everything would be okay for at least for himself. And he finds out that's not the case. We need to often ask ourselves where we are ignoring God's direction in our life. Whether we're doing it just to be comfortable, to feel comfortable, to, to not put ourselves out. You see, you got to remember, we talked about this earlier, that Jonah, it wasn't about belief. It was about behavior. And for many of us who have said yes to Christ, that's really where we're at now. It's not about belief anymore. It is about behavior. When we say yes to Jesus, it's not about our plan. It's about seeing somebody else experience mercy and goodness, even at our expense. After all, that is what Jesus did. Where we are experiencing grace at his expense. And often you and I need to project grace and mercy to somebody else at our expense. We also have to realize that when you and I don't take action, when we hold back, when we say, you know, I'm just not going to engage, I'm just going to hold back, we need to realize that delayed obedience is actually disobedience. So where is your commitment for what makes you feel comfortable delaying your obedience for God's plan? Where you're saying, I'm comfortable, I'm not going to get involved with that, I'm not going to give myself away in that area, because I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying my comfortability, I'm, I'm holding on to that. And we think because we're, we're not really doing anything, we're all set. Delayed obedience is disobedience. For Jonah, we see it reflected in a number of ways. First, Jonah was prejudiced against people God created and loved. Yes, the Ninevites, with all their horrendous, torturous, invading behavior, their conquering, their raping, their pillaging, all of that, all of that going on, they were still created. And God still loved them in spite of themselves. And Jonah was prejudiced to that. Just imagine if somebody had been prejudiced towards you, especially if you've said yes to Christ, and they would withheld speaking to you about grace and mercy. We also see that it's reflected in the way Jonah moves on, and it's reflected that Jonah cares more about his politics than reaching people. The Ninevites were his enemies. They had a different political system. They had a different view on everything like And he cared more about his views in those areas than reaching people. Now, I don't want to get too close to home. But when I think of all that's going on in our nation, in our country, when we think about politics, do you care more about your politics than reaching people? Would you allow yourself to be 
uncomfortable? Would you allow yourself to sacrifice some of the things that are valuable to you in life so that you can reach somebody else? Or do you care more about your point of view than reaching people? We also see that uh, in Jonah's life, it was reflected in an interest, in an interest in his nation, not God's world. We have to ask ourselves sometimes, are we so interested in just our nation that we're not interested in the greater world? Again, what are we willing to sacrifice? How are we willing to be generous for other people around the world at our borders so that they can hear about the love and mercy and grace of God? Again, we're not, we don't want to get too much into political things because I don't want the, the little the little ears to click off. I don't want you to stop listening. But seriously, ask yourself a question. What would you be willing to give up for the greater world, even if it meant there was less, in a sense, in your world? Now, when Jonah realizes that he can't resist God's plan of mercy and goodness to others, he realizes he reluctantly that he needs to fulfill his mission, but he does that with a bad attitude. Sometimes you and I can find ourselves in that same place. We reluctantly fulfill God's mission, God's plan, but we do it with a bad attitude. And how sad is that? Can you imagine if Jesus had had a bad attitude when he came to planet Earth, born in that little manger? In a few weeks, we'll be celebrating the fact that he gives his life. Can you imagine if all along he kind of had their sarcastic bad attitude? He reluctantly went ahead with it, but he had a bad attitude. Once upon a time, we had a daughter who didn't like her green beans. Now, she wasn't allowed to leave the table until she ate them, until she put them in her mouth. It wasn't until a few hours later at bedtime, while making sure she had brushed her teeth, that it was discovered she still had those green beans stuffed in her cheeks. She had chewed them, but wasn't going to swallow them. How often... Do we as Christ followers chew on God's will, but we won't swallow his will? When we kind of follow God's plan, we chew on it, but we don't swallow it. Now, when we get to that place where we're finding God's plan is in our mouth and they taste like green beans and we've chewed it up but we haven't swallowed it, we can kind of say this in a different way. It's really, what do we do with that? What do we, what do, we do? We need to remember what to do when things don't go our way. And this is one of the greatest lessons of life that Jonah shows us he didn't learn, but we can learn what do we do when things don't go our way. What, what should we remember? First of all, we should remember that God can see things we can't. Verse 4, but the Lord replied, Isn't it, is it right for you to be angry? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. 
He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches and sat there in the shade to see what would happen to the city. So, what does Jonah do? Jonah pulls back and he is going to react a certain way to the fact that things aren't going his way. But you and I need to remember that God sees things in a completely different way. He actually orders things in a completely different way. We need to remember that God orders the big and small things to direct us, to direct me. Quick recap of what we've seen in Jonah's life is that there are big things and small things. Uh, it starts off with there being a great wind. The wind starts kicking up. Then there's a, a great storm. And then there's this moment in time where uh, Jonah gets the, the short straw, the short stick. There's, they're casting lots. Uh, also, there's this great moment where there's lots of fear that's overcome the other uh, sailors. Uh, then we see this big moment where there's a great fish. Then there's a second chance. Then there's a great city. Then there's a large growing plant, a little worm, and a scorching wind. What I'm trying to pull out, there are big things and small things that are going on in Jonah's life. And God sees those things as a way to direct and order his Jonah's life and our lives. And sometimes we just don't see that. We see them as inconveniences, huge, small. They see them as upsetting the apple cart of our lives. We see them wrecking everything, yet God uses them to direct us. Challenge you to slow down and just think about some of the big things and small things that you've even experienced over the last six months. Rather than just resisting them, rather than saying, what is going on? What about asking yourself, how is God using these things to direct my life? In Jonah's life, these items were, in a sense, assigned to him. They were designed for him to shape his heart, to see if he would be responsive to them. And many of the big things and small things in life are designed to direct you in me. It's not a coincidence. It's not by chance. Even some of the hardest things, God is desiring to use them to direct us and shape us. What's your response going to be? God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plan? It is, he said. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. He can't take it. The plant had given him some shade as he was waiting to see Nineveh get wiped out. And he became so satisfied with the shade that that tree gave him that he's just, he, just, he, just, he just can't take it that the plant is gone. And he's angry about that but not angry or upset about the possibility of lives being lost in Nineveh, about lives not having a potential to turn from their ways and to have a relationship with God that would usher them into this moment, into eternity, uh, a, a relationship that lasts. You see, Jonah just couldn't see it. I actually don't think he wanted to see it. And if I'm genuine, there are times in my life where I don't want to see it. 
where I don't want to see why whatever is unfolding in my life is actually a, a part of God's assignment for me to shape me and direct me. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. But the reality is you and I have to ask ourselves are what large and small things is God using to not get you and I back, not to pay us back, but to bring us back. If all the big and small details of life won't get you back, won't cause you to stop and think about that, maybe this last area will. You see, you and I need to remember when our plan isn't God's plan, we need to remember that we need to focus on what will last. You see, your story is a part of a bigger story. Your story touches other people's story. The story of Jonah wasn't about him. It was about a city of 120,000 people. God's plan isn't just about you. It's just not about me. God explains it this way to Jonah. God said, what's this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about the mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted it nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next. You see, Jonah put more concern on his comfort than the lives of a city. The lives of those cities are actually three times more the population of all of Seneca County. Unbelievable. And God's final words to Jonah are these. So, why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people. Some people think that uh, childlike people means that there were 120,000 kids in this city. Some people think that the 120,000 demonstrates that these people just, just didn't know right from wrong. We earlier on in our series talked about Jesus having compassion for people that were living lives without a shepherd. So 120,000, maybe children, maybe people that just didn't know the right from wrong, that were people without a shepherd. So this big city more of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't yet know right from wrong to say nothing of all the innocent animals. So... Do we care about what lasts? Is our plan short-lived, not with the long view in mind, eternity in view? Do we care most about eternity? People's relationships with God is what lasts, and people need to experience, people need to have their eyes opened to God's grace and God's mercy and God's love. This is going to sting a little bit, but what are the short things that you and I hold on to? The things that really don't matter. That the things that aren't going to matter a week from now, a month from now, six months from now, maybe even three years from now, but we hold on to them instead of, instead of moving in the direction 
of what lasts. What lasts? The potential of influencing someone in Christ's love in another person's life should reign supreme whatever that looks like. What are you willing to lay on the line? What likes? What dislikes? What conveniences? What coffee choices? You know, for coffee choices for the love of Jesus. I actually, before I went on to dr on quarantine, before I was positive, dropped off some Dunkin' Donuts coffee for someone because I knew they loved it. It was all for the love of Jesus, even though it almost killed me dropping Dunkin' Donuts off to somebody. I know that's a little bit silly, but some of the things that you and I hold on to are as silly as that, if not more silly. You fill in the blank. What plan are you holding on to that isn't going your way? What are you doing with it? Are you willing to let it go, knowing God knows more than you and I know? Paul wrote in his God-inspired letter to the Corinthians, he wrote this, So, we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Jonah's story is our story. Our story is about so much more than ourselves. Jonah's story was so much more about than himself. Yet God, in his grace and his mercy, includes us in his bigger stories. You see, our stories are not about paying any one of us back, even though we deserve it. It's about bringing us all back. And aren't we thankful for that? See, God's not about paying us back or anyone else back. God's about bringing us all back. That was true for Jonah. That was true for the Ninevites. That's true for you. That's true for me. That's true for Republicans. That's true for Democrats. That's true for even independents. And it's very true for even Tom Brady fans. You and I get to join God's story. You and I can either move towards it move in it, or we can, in a sense, try to stand in the way of it. But it's going to happen no matter what. You say you can be a part of it, or you can set yourself apart from it. God's not about paying us or anyone else back. God's about bringing us all back. And that means that sometimes... Our plans are not his plans, and we should be pretty happy about that. Would you pray with me? Dear Grace Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the gift of your son, the gift of a possibility of a relationship with you. And Father, I just pray for my friends in this moment. 
And I just ask that all of us would be able to take a little bit of an inventory of where we're at, where we're looking in light of your story. Have we said yes to you yet? And if we have had said yes to you, how are we coping with the times where our plans aren't your plans? Are we more interested in grace and mercy for us and not having to, in a sense, be paid back for our lives than making sure, being a part of seeing others experience your grace and your mercy? Oh, Lord, we are so thankful that you're not about paying us back or anybody else back. You're all about bringing us back. May we be a part of that plan, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. I want to thank you for your continued generosity and your sacrificial gifts and tithes and offerings. Uh, if you've never uh, given online, I would love you to be able to do that, especially in days like this, or, or place an offering uh, in, the, in the mail and help us out. These, these are a little bit harder times when people aren't actually coming to church. So if you could help us out with that, that'd be fantastic. Uh, we just want to thank you for the difference your generous and sacrificial gifts uh, make in people's lives. And uh, again, you can uh, do that online, easy, safe, and secure mail right to the church, and obviously when we're open, uh, there's the offering boxes available. We'd also uh, love to hear from you, so you can send us an email, you can go to our website, and you can fill out a Connect card, an electronic one, and uh, we'd love to hear about what's going on in, in your life. Uh, also, uh, regarding next Sunday, uh, please know that uh, we'll let you know what's going to happen regarding personal services. Uh, but next week, we do start a new series that will lead us into the Easter season. It's entitled All In, Where to Look Before You Leap. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we certainly will be in touch.